walking through each book, and we're just kind of discovering Jesus in each book. We're now to 1 Samuel, and my objective every week when we talk about one of these books of the Bible is that we will get a perspective and a picture over that particular book that will cause us to never look at that book the same way again. Next time we read in that, in that book of the Bible, we'll see and hear it from a perspective that has enlarged us, in a sense, as Jabez said, has enlarged our territory, and we're blessed in our understanding. So Jesus is revealed in amazing ways in 1 Samuel. Uh, he's revealed, and we'll, we'll see some of these individuals throughout the Scripture as you, as you read. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously not going to be able to preach the whole book to you today. But you can go to destinychristian.com, take a look at our blog, and I try and give more elaborate, extensive ideas for you in your personal place of study. How many know our goal here is not to dazzle you with speakers and help you fall in love with speakers, but our goal here is to empower you with Scripture and help you fall in love with the Savior. That's the objective. And church, in many ways, in our generation, has become more like going to the movies when it should be like going to the gym. We want to help you be stronger in your faith and in your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with the Word. And so that's why we're taking this approach, especially in this season of our church family. So the book of 1 Samuel, this spans over about 110 years. Just a little background when you're looking at this. Obviously, it's about the birth of Samuel, a mighty prophet. Uh, we're going to see in this book, as you study it, you'll see the people were demanding a king. They were tired of the oppressive judges. We've come out of now the book of Judges, the book of Ruth, and now uh, moving into the time of kings. This is where Saul is anointed king. This is where David emerges on the scene. Um, this is also... Uh, the, this, this book is concluded as King Saul dies. And so that's the overview of, of the book. Jesus is revealed throughout this book in many ways, but just a few ideas for you. Uh, aren't you thankful Jesus is your friend? You know, that, that's a real reality that is a growing reality to all of us as we grow in our relationship with God. <clears throat> but he truly is a faithful, faithful friend. So Jesus is revealed when we read about Jonathan who's a true friend to David, and uh, we see that he's a type. We see that Jesus is revealed in David, a king with a heart for God and a heart for humanity, and what a wonderful king uh, David was as an expression and a type of Christ. I think it's interesting that the prophet Samuel was born um, by a miraculous conception, if you will. His mother Hannah was unable to bear children. She's barren, yet... Uh, God enabled her to have a child, much like Mary would be enabled to have a child. So again, a type and a shadow of Christ. We see um, Samuel as an expression of Christ as we're reading the book of 1 Samuel because those who submitted to him had their potential from God awakened in their life. Saul came and submitted to the hands of the prophet as he anointed him as king, and there was this potential awakened in him. David submitted, and at the hands of this amazing prophet, David, King David, his, his potential is awakened. Today, as we join in together looking at his word, can we just take a moment and submit to Jesus? So that the potential that's seated in your life will be awakened. The potential that's seated in my life, may it be awakened. We don't want to just come together and just have a nice talk, do we? We don't want to have a little religious gathering. We really want to understand there's a purpose for our connection today. There's an assignment for our coming together. And so let's just join together and receive that. Lord, we invite you 
to be our teacher, to be our pastor, to be our prophet, to be our evangelist, to be our priest, to be our apostle, to be all the things that we see about in Scripture that bring about a revealing of God and an awakening of the gifts that are within us and the seeds that have planted within us. And I pray that today, Lord, we would learn some more about who you are in us and who we are in you, that we might more readily fulfill what you've called us to in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So here is barren Hannah, and Hannah gives birth. How many of you know some things are, um, just because there doesn't seem to be a way, doesn't mean God hasn't made a way, and maybe you've just not seen it yet, right? There are some circumstances maybe you are facing right now, and it does not appear that uh, there is a way to get through that situation. But just because it doesn't appear like God's made a way doesn't mean he hasn't already made a way. And so the book of 1 Samuel, amazingly, is all about this concept of our rising up in a place of utter expectation for God to do supernatural things. And so may the spirit of faith come upon us today as we walk this out. Because this book speaks of how God reaches into our struggles to bring strength. He reaches into our pain to produce purpose. That's your first blank if you'd write that in. And uh, he's sovereign. He, he, will, he will take a difficult situation in our lives and somehow convert it into a trophy of grace. I love the fact that God never wastes a single hurt in our lives. You know, honestly, uh, our hurt becomes ministry when we handle it well, when we handle it right. How many of you have done some utterly dumb things in your life? Can I just see? Let's just show off our, our ignorance at times. I mean, you know, we, I raise both hands, praise God. You know, uh, you know we, we do all these crazy, we make bad decisions, and I don't even know how. But it's like God redeems us out of that. He restores us, strengthens us, and then he takes our dumb mistake and he like uses that to help other people not make mistakes. Sometimes God redeems our past by surrounding us with people who need to hear our story so it does not become their future. Let's all just clap that in. Let's just clap that in and declare it in Jesus' mighty name. Now, I, I say this from time to time, and we need to hear it and learn it, but our gathering as a church isn't for me to speak and, and you know, you to, to decide if you like or don't like what I'm saying. Our gathering as a church is for us to come together and submit to what He wants to reveal in every one of us. That's why the Bible says you don't need a man to teach you, you need the anointing to teach you. It's an interesting verse of Scripture for us as a church to break down. But when you say amen, there's something uh, receiving in your life. The promises of God, the Bible says, are, are ours through our yes and amen. So it is healthy for you as a Christian to say, yes, I receive that, amen. Uh, and the Bible says when you clap your hands, you hiss the enemy away in Job 27. It's an interesting thing, but we're not just saying bravo, 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 but it's like we're clapping our hands this way, and the enemy is like clutching his ears, and he's having to let go of our kids to put his hands over his ears because we're breaking his hold in our legacy and in our lives. You and I are here to battle. You and I are here to war. You and I are here to do more than have a nice little religious expression. We're changing the environment and the culture in which we live, and the church ought to be turning the 
cities upside down, dealing with the spiritual climate of those places. Let it be the case in Jesus' mighty name that we would be the church he's called us to be. Amen. So here we see opposition uh, throughout this particular book, opposition that we can all identify with and relate to. But opposition does not mean it's not God's plan. Just because there's opposition does not mean it is not God's plan. Just because Hannah couldn't have a baby didn't mean it wasn't God's plan. Just because Sarah couldn't have a baby didn't mean Isaac wasn't supposed to be born. Just because Elizabeth could not have a baby didn't mean John the Baptist was not supposed to be born. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Bible's full of these. Samson, mighty Samson, his mother was barren. I mean, they're... they're Story after story after story, verse after verse after verse, the Bible is filled with all these analogies and all these illustrations of all this opposition that comes against God's will in your life. Stop saying, if it's God's will, it will happen. Let me tell you, if it's God's will, you probably are going to have to fight for it and need your faith to be strong so you can fight and kick open the doorways that need to be opened in Jesus' name. So we see so much of this, and of course David and Goliath, the prime example, and that's where I want us to go as we see how God's ability is released within our availability when we get our thinking right. Now our objective, and I didn't push this too hard last week in this service, I did a really good job in the first. It's funny having two services. We used to have three, and I lose my mind trying to figure that out, but, uh, but when we moved into this facility, put it into two. And so last week I did a great job provoking the 9.30 service to the turn the page. And I didn't do so good in here. So let me, I didn't do so well here. Let me, let me take a moment. Our challenge in this season for us as a church family is that, I mean, it's, I, we love digital. We love the digital world. But how many know you have to purpose human moments in the digital world or we get caught up in what, exactly what Constance was sharing. And that's the beware of the, the barrenness of a busy life, right? And so I, I want to just challenge you, purpose a leather moment in a digital world. Get an old-fashioned leather Bible. I know you've heard me say this. Those of you who've been attending, you've been hearing me say it over and over and over. And I'm sorry, you're just going to have to hear me say it over and over because here's my goal. Everybody does it. That's my goal. Not, not most of us, but I really want to ask everybody to do this. It just makes sense. And so take the Bible and start in the book of Genesis and every day turn the page. That's it. Just every day turn the page. You're not going to believe this, but I forgot a day this week. Woe is me. Jesus almost fell off the throne. No, he didn't. I just skipped it. I mean, the next day I thought, oh no, I forgot to turn the page. I'm going to burn in hell. No, I didn't. I just got up and kept on. So, you know, don't worry about it, but just keep, turn the page, write the date at the top. Today, at the top of my page, I put the date and I, and I put happy 52-year anniversary, mom and dad. Today is my mom and dad's anniversary. They're running around here somewhere, so give them some love when you see them, and we wish them a happy anniversary. <laughs> So every day you just turn the page, put the date, maybe write something uh, uh, you know, on, on the top of the page. Uh, so one day we'll write, uh, congratulations, Jason Sansone, President of the United States, as he's stepping into the political world. Whatever, at, at the top, you know, on the, on the date, you just put that there. And each day you turn the page. How many of you know there are parts of the Bible you're not going to understand? Have you ever read that? Like my uh, daughters, they do this. And one time, Faith had a friend over. And, and she was telling her, you know, I'm turning the page. Would you like to do that? And they start reading. And, and 
they like start reading in Leviticus, and so she, she starts where she left off, and it's like, and the man with the crushed testicle cannot go into the temple. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> so, you know, step back, evaluate. I mean, there are going to be some things you're going to read in there, and you're going to think, okay, I don't, I, I had to apologize to the parent of that little girl, by the way, she was over, and my daughter's teaching her from Scripture. And so, um, you're going to read things in there that aren't always going to make sense. But, but here's the thing. You are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. Whether your mind translates all of it logically or not, your spirit is being nourished. If you will engage and just receive that nourishment, even on those components about ceremonial law, and so on, just keep turning the page, and ultimately what happened, Genesis through Revelation, you'll have a completely dated Bible. Every day will have a different date, a progression along, and one day your children and your children's children will have the heirloom of your faith, and it'll be a wonderful, wonderful thing. The, the reason this is so important, particularly in this, is because we need to learn to think like God thinks, and to memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. To read the Bible is to study the mind of God. And if we can think like God thinks, it'll transform everything about our lives. David somehow was able to do this. I love it that David, he fought like a warrior because he thought like a warrior. That's why David fought like a warrior. Because he thought like a warrior. How many of you in this room agree we need to take it up a notch and think on another level of what God wants us to accomplish. I mean, let's, let's go there today. So 1 Samuel 17, we'll just take a look at David and Goliath for the next two hours together because we normally, you know, go till two or three. Just kidding. 1 Samuel 17, 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for, please say the word. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. This is really unique. Verses 2 and 3, just... Think about how much we're talking about the battle here. Saul and the men of Israel drew up in battle array. So they gathered for battle. Now they gathered in their battle array. They're dressing up for battle to encounter the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. So they're gathering for battle. They are drawing up in battle array, battle formation, battle clothing, and the Bible goes on and explains, 1 Samuel 17, verse 16, And the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. 40 days. Now, they were dressed for battle. They were gathering for battle. They were standing there for battle. We'll read in verse 20 where it says, David came to, to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. They were gathering for battle. They were shouting about battle. They were dressed for battle. They were standing there for battle. And the Goliath giant was coming every morning and every night for 40 days, 80 times. Listen, 80 times Goliath stood up and he shouted in the face of Israel. And Israel had gathered for battle. They were talking about battle. They were shouting a war cry. And, and notice this, back verse 18 and 19, Jesse told David, take provision for Saul and all the men of Israel. They are fighting with the Philistines. And that's when he shows up and they're shouting the war cry. And, and, and then it's like everybody's talking about all this battle stuff. Eliab, in verse 28, Eliab, David's oldest brother, said, 
Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and wickedness of your heart. You have come down in order to see the battle. I think it's amazing. Everybody's talking about the battle. Everybody's dressing up for the battle. Everybody's shouting about the battle. But nobody's fighting. Everybody's talking about the battle, but nobody is fighting. And I just have to say, as painfully, uh, as painful as it may be for you and for me, it's just been this challenge for me over the last particularly two years to step back. And I, I remember in our last Easter service, standing up to a group of people, huge crowd of people, and saying, so glad you're here. We really don't have all this church thing figured out. And don't claim to. We're just trying to figure it out. We want to invite anybody that wants to go with us on this journey. Because here's the bottom line. The church largely has deviated from the blueprint of Scripture. And there are a lot of people very frustrated about what the church of our generation has become. And I'm not one of those pastors that stands up and shouts about those people who are aggravated that the church seems to have lost its way from the blueprint. I'm one of those guys, one of those Christians that says, yeah, let's evaluate this. Why have we lost our way? Why have we deviated from the blueprint of Scripture? Where are the Elijahs that are rising up in the power of God Almighty? Where are the Samsons of our day that are rising up? Where are the Samuels? Where are the Deborahs? Where are the mighty men and women of God of our generation? And I believe God's really dealing with the church right now in a healthy, wonderful way. I'm not a, um, I'm not a church basher. I love the church. It's easier to be a food critic than it is to be a chef. Would you agree? It's easier to be a, a music critic than it is to be a music maker. Easier to be a movie critic than it is to be a movie maker. It's easier to be a church critic than it is to be a church builder. But let the record show, we're going to build the church because we love the church, because Jesus loves the church, and we want to be like Him. But we want to build it the right way. We don't want to just dress up for battle, talk about battle, sing about battle, and then not equip anybody for war. You're in the fight of your life. And let me just say, we need all of you in the fight. Your marriage, it's a fight. Your kids, it's a fight. Your finance, it's a fight. Your future, it's a fight. I mean, I didn't make it that way. There's a fall of the enemy, and it created this warfare cataclysmic expression took place. I mean, it's just where we are in this place of fallen humanity. Here's the wonderful thing. The more we know about Jesus, we're not fighting for victory. In Christ, we're fighting from victory. He's already defeated every foe and every enemy. If you and I can get this right and think this right, we'll move in a place of great victory, and the kingdom of God will be established in the earth. Come on, let's take just about 60 seconds and celebrate this wonderful king today. We lift up the name of Jesus. We release something in the earth with our praise. We call forth God's kingdom in the earth. So I just say, let us be the generation and the church of the generation that starts this movement. Not just the Jesus motions, but truly the Jesus movement. To address the giants of our day with boldness, with courage, with faith, with strength, with tenacity. Address the giants of our day 
as David did. And, you know, you can read all of that, and, and, the, and the Lord will show you some really wonderful things. Again, I'm not, I don't want to merely inspire you. I want to empower you. Amen. Get in the Word this week. Let God show you some things. When David's talking to his oldest brother and how his oldest brother is insulting him, and he doesn't even engage in that conversation. The Bible says he turned away and talked to somebody else. He didn't engage in how big the giant was. He never even said, wow, that giant is big. He never gave, never validated his enemy in any way. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that's obviously an enemy of God, and who does he think he is to defy the living army uh, armies of the living God and so we need to look at our enemies in a right perspective and not dance with the idea of how big they are compared to us God is bigger than they are they are small compared to God and that has to be our entire perspective everybody was standing there 40 I mean think about it 40 days 80 times morning and night standing there looking at this big giant paralyzed with fear and everybody's mindset was, oh, that giant, he's too big to kill. And David shows up on the scene and he says, bring it on, he's too big to miss. Just a totally different perspective. How are you looking at your giant today? Because we need the mind of God in the way we address such issues. And I gave you this a while ago, it is one of your blanks. David fought like a warrior because David fought like a warrior. So it's interesting, you know, God had, uh, as you read, you'll see God use uh, Sam, Samuel to anoint him as king. And after he anointed him as king, then he goes back and he's tending the sheep and just being faithful with where he is. We all want everything to change immediately. How many of you want everything to change immediately? We're going to talk about this uh, next week. My, my daughters are in high school this year. God, help me. I would really appreciate your prayers. Fasting and prayer would be good about this time. Um, and, and, you know, faith's going to be driving soon. But I remember when her feet reached the pedals. And, and, you know, your feet reach the pedals long before you're ready to drive. In my opinion, about 15 years before you're ready to drive. But, but your feet reach the pedal before you're ready to drive. Your body is capable of producing a baby before you're ready to effectively parent. You're always capable of doing what you might want to do before you're ready through the process of preparation to do what God's called you to do. And so God, here he uses, he, it's amazing, but he, he anoints David as king, and then David does the same thing he's been doing before, but he's anointed as king. And it wasn't until he was faithful to kill the lion and the bear and cultivate his skill with this slingshot of his day, it wasn't until he was faithful with that that he was then equipped to storm on this scene, have an attitude of God, look at this enemy, and that giant wasn't there to defeat him, that giant was there to promote him, and in one day David became a national hero because he saw his giant the way you and I need to see our giant. The giants in our lives are trying to tell our faith shut up and sit down you have nothing to say but I just say let our faith rise up today and declare to every giant you will not hold me hostage and you will not keep me from all God has in store that's everything that Samuel is about in every way can I just tell you today with all sincerity you simply can do all things through Christ who strengthens you Nothing is impossible with God. Faith makes things possible, not easy. 
but they're possible. And it's like we want God to make it easy. How many of you want God to make it easy, in all honesty? I want God to make it easy. But it's the struggle that produces the strength to sustain us at the next level. And when you do break through to the next level, that's not a time to take a vacation. It's not a resting place. When you break through to the next level, you just picked a fight on another level, and you better have been prepared in the process of graduating from that previous grade to this one to fight on the level that now you're going to be required to fight. That's the process that we're talking about. And everybody walks through this. And people that like faith face, you know, uh, giants and mountains and, and, and they just cave in, those are the people you and I never hear about. But let me just give you a few practical illustrations. Some of you have heard me talk about these in times past. But I drew them out just because I felt like they're really, um, it's just good for us to see it in real life. So we hear all this stuff going on and, and we think about, you know, these barren moms and, and you know, a virgin, Mary. I mean, come on. That, that's just wild. And, and I realized this last week. Not only was that a challenge, but for the rest of her life, the Jews who didn't believe saw her as an, a, a woman who gave birth to an illegitimate child. All of her life she lived with that. What kind of pain are you living with today? And are you feeling like if you really were in God's will, you wouldn't have that pain? Are you feeling like if you really trusted God, you wouldn't walk through the pain that you're walking through? Because that's simply not true. The thing is, the pain doesn't redefine you. God redefines you. And when you're hurt and you're, you're hurting, you're looking to Him for that redefinition and you become better, refuse to become bitter, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. He wants to restructure your life and cause you to become more of a man or woman of God. So I love this because when we start looking kind of in our generation, um, this, this young lady, she was actually kicked out of drama school. She wanted to be an actress. Poor girl, just didn't have it in her. She got kicked out of drama school. They said, don't waste your money. In fact, this is what they said specifically. She's wasting her time. She's just too shy to put her best foot forward. And that's Lucille Ball. So when you think about uh, Lucille Ball, anything but shy... Um, just because somebody disqualifies you does not mean you're disqualified. Right. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't let other people's opinion define you. Let God's perspective define you. Let, you know, honestly, God wants to do something from the inside out, regardless of what other people's perspectives may be. Uh, this, this band, they, they tried to get a start and uh, went to this company, this DECA recording company, and... Um, and they said to the band, we're sorry, we do not like your sound. And by the way, guitar music is on the way out. That was the Beatles. Uh, and so they turned down the Beatles, and they probably regretted that. Would you agree? Uh, this guy, poor guy, he just obviously no creativity whatsoever. He was fired from a newspaper. And uh, when he was fired, they said, we're sorry, you just lack imagination, and you have no original ideas. And Walt Disney uh, went on to have some imagination and some original ideas. I mean, there are all these stories and analogies and illustrations. And here's the thing that I want to communicate. Here's the thing I want to say. Just because the circumstances aren't uh, aligning for what you feel like you're supposed to be doing, that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to do that. Keep on. Keep after. Dr. Seuss. How many of you like Dr. Seuss? Uh, Dr. Seuss, what a great guy, you know, I am, I am, green eggs and ham, or whatever Dr. Seuss does, all those funny drawings and, and all of that. But he, he actually experienced rejection 27 times 
before his juvenile writing was received as a, a, a valid kid's expression. In fact, they told him, this is so different from other juveniles, it simply won't sell. That was their comment to him. You're, you're, you're coming from left field, my friend. Give it up. 27 times he was told, you're just not, you don't have what it takes. And then I thought it was really wild too, uh, Margaret Mitchell. She went to publisher after publisher after publisher with her story. And uh, they, you know, they just kept telling her no. 38 publishers turned her down. Anybody here want to write a book? I, just, you know, I believe there are some books in the house. I really want to encourage you to not just want to write a book, but start taking the time every day, just devote some time to start putting ideas together. That's the way you write a book. You don't sit down and write a whole book all at once, unless like God gives you a total download, but just commit yourself to, to write. And, and I believe that there are some, this last week even, I felt the Lord was speaking this to me. There's some books to come out of here. Some people need to receive that with your yes and amen right now. We just receive that, and uh, just work at that, and chisel at that, and, and don't give up. Keep on. Don't grow weary in well-doing, because you will reap a harvest. And so Margaret Mitchell, she, she, she had this novel, and she submitted it 38 times, 38 publishers, and 38 times she was told, nope, and gone with the wind, finally, on the 39th time, found somebody who said, yeah, I think this will work. I, I, it might not be great, but we'll publish it. Failure is not fatal. Think about it. Anybody who succeeded failed a lot to get there. You're going to fail more than you succeed. That's how you succeed. I mean, Tracy and I have made some really bad business decisions over the years. Dave Ramsey calls that stupid tax. You're paying stupid tax. I prefer to call it stupid tuition. <laughs> you know, you make mistakes, you're paying money, it costs you something, grow from it. Go to school from your mistakes. You're going to fail more than you succeed. But if you will not give up when you fail and you'll learn from it and grow from it and you'll keep going, there will come a time that you will succeed. You, you do realize if you'll just stay in the race, you will cross the finish line. You might not be first, but just keep running because you will cross that line if you will not stop. Failure is not fatal. Failure is not final. Failure does not make you a failure. Quitting makes you a failure and we will not quit. We're not going to quit. So, old farmer, and he had this uh, goat, and his wife was mad. Goat was chewing up all of his, you know, all the flowers, and the, the wife was fussing at him about it. And uh, he, he knew he was going to have to get rid of the goat. They were going to have to have the goat for dinner or something came outside one day and the goat had actually fallen down a deep well and he thought to himself well problem solved right can't eat flowers down there and he heard the goat bleeding that it's the best I can do and so um, I know it's really bad but he, he heard the goat and so he, he decided I, I feel bad I'm gonna uh, just I'm gonna at least bury it you know so just die faster so it's way down there so he just starts he gets a shovel goes over and he starts digging dirt from around the well throwing it over and uh, you know just working hard working hard working hard and and finally like the goat jumps out of the well to his shock and surprise it jumps out of the well 
and he realizes what's happened the whole time. Every shovel of dirt that he's thrown on the goat in the well, rather than getting buried alive, it shook off the dirt, patted it down, and stepped up a little higher. Until finally, it got high enough that it jumped out of the hole that it was in. And there are some people under the sound of my voice today, and there have been this dirt dumped on top of you, this condemnation that's come your way, discouragement that's hit you, disappointment that has just been on top of you. I just want to say, let's shake it off. Let's pat it down. And let's rise up just a little bit higher today. You can do this. And all of this comes beginning with an understanding that we are serving this unconquerable king. I really love Jesus. And I'm learning to love him more every single day. I'm so grateful that he rescued me out of the nonsense that I was in and that he keeps on rescuing me more every day. So Every time we gather, we want to give everybody an opportunity just to deepen your faith, deepen your relationship with the Lord. It's not like you, you know, it's not like you just get it all figured out all in one time, right? We're all on a journey and we're growing in this. And so I want to ask you to join with me today. And maybe you're going to pray this for the first time. Maybe you've prayed this 15,000 times. But I think it's really healthy for us to constantly make a daily declaration of the Lordship of Christ. And so let's do that together. Would you just join me? And let's just pray this out loud as we express our love and our heart for, for Him. Say with me. Say, Lord Jesus, You're the giver of life. You came, You lived, and You died. You're risen from the grave. You're who You say You are. You're the Messiah. You came to rescue fallen humanity. And I need You as my Savior and as Lord of my life, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, let's just thank him for his faithfulness. He's such a wonderful God. He's such a wonderful, wonderful God. Bless you, Lord Jesus.